0: You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. To find more resources and learn more about our ministry, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. We've been anticipating this verse tonight. We've been going through this year-long study through the Gospel of John, and we've saved this one verse for for Christmas Eve, for tonight. And this is that one verse that is the climax of uh, an anticipation of all of human history. Uh, one of the maybe most anticipated and wonderful proclamations of all of Scripture—that God would come and put on flesh to be with His people, to dwell with His people, to to live and die for His people—and that was the long-awaited fulfillment that God would come and be with us. Here's what it says in John 1:14: "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory." as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is what we celebrate tonight, that God has come. Not just that Jesus has uh, became a baby, but that, be God, but that God became human. And I just, I love this evening. We, I see parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and maybe even uh, kids that have come to visit their parents and that their parents church. And it's just a wonderful sight to see, to be in person, right? And, and you probably communicate throughout the week or month or year, right, through phone call and text messages and even FaceTime. And if, if you're like me, we use FaceTime quite a bit, right? We use FaceTime to try to connect and be with people that we love, but nothing beats being in the presence of that person. Uh, there's different reasons why you might use FaceTime. Here's just a few of ours, and, I, and I've actually got a few clips of ours. Sometimes we just can't be together, and and now all these were used with permission of Rareman uh, Incorporated. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we just, we're actually just in the other room, and we just want to talk. And we, we, you know, it's like <clears throat> time to go to bed, and we're talking on FaceTime there. It's bedtime, maybe I'm out, or... or uh, Mom is out and can't make bedtime, and so FaceTime in to kind of have that. Uh, you do whatever you can. Uh, maybe we're in different places all together and want to talk. Uh, here's bedtime. They're just staying up too late, and they're just having a dance party in their room, and I'm like, it's time to get to bed. Uh, and so there's a way to connect kind of if you can't be there in person. And then sometimes you just need to try out the new you know, FaceTime filters that they have, right? <laughs> <clears throat> How'd those get up there? but nothing beats in-person, right? Nothing beats that, that in-person time. Technology has, has come such a long way to connect people who are at a distance from one another, but nothing compares to truly being face-to-face. I hope you see where we're, where we're going with this. In God's desire to be with his people, nothing compares. Symbols don't do it. Uh, not even his, uh, his revelation, but to be face-to-face with his people. And he would not let anything get in the way of that. And if we truly want to understand the, the meaning of Christmas, the real meaning, it's not in uh, sentimental emotions. It's not even uh, in our cheerfulness around this time of the year. we need to understand it in terms of God's presence and grace right in our midst. His presence and grace. The great hope of Christmas is that God has not left us alone. He didn't leave us at a distance, but he bridged that great distance, that great chasm between a holy God and a sinful humanity with the person and work of Jesus Christ. The fact that God wants to be with his people and would dwell with his people, this isn't anything new. Uh, it's, it wasn't new even in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In fact, God's ancient people, the Hebrew people, they have always known that God would dwell with them. It was always this promise that God would be in, in their midst. And one of the great symbols of this and the way that God showed his people, I'm with you in your midst and I will never forsake you, uh, for centuries was the, the tabernacle. As God's people were rescued from slavery and they wandered in the wilderness, God gave them specific instructions to, to build this tabernacle and God would dwell in their midst. And as long as that tabernacle was there, God would be with them. This happened so clearly and it was such a blessing to God's people. As they saw this tent, they knew that God was with them. And in the tabernacle, there were these specific symbols. God gave them instructions. I want you to build it precisely to this way. And, and in one of the rooms, it was kind of like a living room. I say that because if you went in this room, it would feel like a living room. There was a table and it had some fresh bread on it. There was a candle and it had a candle that was always lit. There was furniture. It was kind of inviting and warm. It meant to say to them, God lives here. And the priest was commanded, always have fresh bread, always have a light burning because it needs to look like somebody's home. And that was one of their primary jobs was to always make sure there was fresh bread and a candle lit. You know, when you go into someone's house, if you can tell if someone's been there recently or if like they hadn't been there for months, right? You know, if the shower is still like wet, you know, someone was just here. If there's like food on the countertop that's really like kind of green fuzzy. You know, they haven't been here a while or maybe they have, that's just kind of their style. But in this room was a lamp and was food and it was meant to communicate that God is here among you and he will never leave you. God gave his people this promise that I will be in your midst. But even in that tabernacle, these were just symbols They were just the essence of God's presence. It wasn't this face-to-face relationship that they had, not yet. Much later, they would build the temple and the temple was built after this blueprint of the tabernacle, a more more permanent fixture to say God is always here. When they got a place of their own, a nation of their own, they built this, this temple to say, this is where God is. And they had the table there with the bread and they had the candle that was lit to say that God will not leave us. He will never forsake us. But the tabernacle and the temple, these were, they were just essences. They were symbols of God's presence. No one could be face to face with him. And that's why John 1:14 is so, it, it is so radical. It is so shocking to the listeners and hearers of this verse centuries ago. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Christmas story is shocking. That God would not just be in our midst symbolically, or in his essence, but really and truly face to face, he would take on human nature and be with his people forever. Jesus is the fullness of the glory of God. He's not a little bit of God. He's not just part of God or even a symbol of God. He's the fullness of the glory of God, the full weight of God's expression, the full weight of God's revelation, all in the person of Jesus Christ. Imagine having to put everything you own into one suitcase. It'd be pretty hard. All your clothes, all your possessions, all your furniture, all your memories, everything into one suitcase. It's hard to do. Nare I say impossible. It cannot be done, but God is here saying, all that I am, everything that you should know about me, my full glory, which in the Hebrew would mean this weightiness, the weightiness of God, the glory of God, all in the person of Jesus Christ the dwelling place that God would have a be dwelling with his people. It's not a new concept for the ancient people, but whatever, whenever God's people wanted to dwell with God, they had, to, they had to go into some kind of covering. They had to go into some kind of tent. They had to go into some uh, crack in the mountain. You see, when Moses wanted to be in the presence of God, God hid him in a, in a crevice in the mountain. When Elijah wanted to be with God, God told him to go hide into a cave. When Moses wanted to go uh, be in the presence of God, he had to go into the tabernacle. A temple was built in the sixth century before Jesus so that people could go into and be in the presence of God. But there was always this barrier. There was always this barrier between people and God. And here's the beauty of Christmas. Here's the beauty of the incarnation and the presence of God. Whenever a person wanted to be close to God, they had to go into some kind of covering. But in Christmas, God puts on the covering of humanity to be with us. No longer are we having to go and to make this journey to him because no matter how hard we tried, there would always be this sign above any kind of covering that said access denied. We would never be good enough on our own merit, our own character. And so God covered himself in humanity so that he could be with us. Christianity, it's not about entering into some kind of system of morality. It's not about uh, you know, some creed to live by or entering into a, or a relationship with some kind of symbol. It is about a relationship with a real person. It is about a relationship with the, the God who is with us, the incarnate God, Jesus, who is God in the flesh. See, Christmas is about the presence of God. It's also about his grace. It's about his his gift. There's so much uh, gift language in, in this passage and the surrounding verses that talk about the incarnation of Christ. So much gift language. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory full of grace and full of truth. Let me ask you this. What do you think it takes for a person to dwell with God? What might it take to dwell with God? Is it just a little bit uh, in the right direction, a little bit of push, a little bit of help, a little bit of assistance by somebody? Is it right information presented at the right time and in the right way? Is it good and solid upbringing? Is there a certain type of person that God particularly likes to dwell with? You're like, well, me, of course. (laughs) Has it ever, has it, have you ever heard like maybe later in life and you, you find out maybe an old high school friend or an old like hometown friend became a Christian and you might say to yourself, you know, it makes a lot of sense. She was just a really sweet person. Or maybe even say, you know, wow, that's, that's shocking. That, that person was just a big jerk and I never knew that was even possible. See, if you're thinking like that, then you think there's some kind of person, there's a Christian type, there's a type of person that God just loves to dwell with, loves to be with. Let me, let me put it this way. If you are not completely stunned that God became a man to save you, completely stunned that he would want to dwell with you, then maybe there's some part of you that thinks that God just loves you because of who you are and what you have done. But John puts it like this and says it in a couple verses later, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth, the law, the truth of God is not merciful. The truth of God is just, it is resolute, it is unwavering. The truth of God is firm. No one sees red and blue lights behind them in the car and thinks good news is coming. Probably just just wants to compliment me on all my driving habits, probably. No, there's one person to administer justice in the law. Justice according to the law. And only in Jesus do we see this beautiful combination of both truth and grace intertwined perfectly within the person of Jesus Christ. Truth without grace, you probably know what that feels like. Truth without grace, it it pushes people away, it ruins connection, it alienates, it disconnects. No one wants a relationship with just, just give me the truth. (laughs) But grace without truth, it only gives the illusion of connection. It's not real, it's fake. It, it's, it, 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 it's just not, it's not real. But in Jesus, we have this beautiful connection and intertwined perfectly of truth and grace. And that's what, this is what the gospel tells us, the good news in Jesus Christ, that Jesus tells us straight. He tells us the straight, unvarnished truth about our faults and failures. And then he completely unselfishly and joyously gives his life completely to us without a shred of superiority or boasting in himself. He tells us that we've messed up. He tells us we've fallen short. He tells us we are dead in our sin. And then he gives himself completely to us. He humbles himself to live a life of a human, to take on that humiliation. And from him, we have received grace upon grace. Christmas, as far as the Bible is concerned, will never be about being good for goodness sake. It will never be about being good enough this year to get blessing. It will always be because of God's sheer grace from start to finish. One of the most fundamental mistakes that a person can make is to look at being good enough in order to dwell with God. One of the most fundamental mistakes a person can make is looking to the law of God in order to dwell with him. If you are the kind of person that's always looking to live up to the rules, then you may be stuck in this exhausting struggle. Maybe you're probably, you're probably just exhausted spiritually, spiritually tired of constantly running this race of, of, and always wondering, am I good enough for God? We're all trying to find that salvation, but nothing but the grace of God through Jesus is able to deliver. God loves you. Why? Because you are His. Some of you might be thinking, but I don't deserve a love like that. To which I would say, I completely agree with you. That's a joke, but it's also true. That is true. It is true to say that. I don't deserve this kind of love. But instead of trying to be the sort of person that tries to deserve that love or make this up to God in some way, which is impossible, be the person who rejoices that this love has come to you. Be the person who rejoices that this kind of love has come to you and is coming to you still. That God has come to you in the person and work of Jesus Christ and he is with you still. Inviting you to rest in him, to enjoy him, to love him, to worship him with your life. Receive him, believe in him. There has never been an event that makes us swallow our pride more than Christmas. That God was willing to humble himself, to give up the glory he had in heaven. Why, to live a life of just prestige and and glory on earth? Absolutely not. To live a life of of a servant, to humble himself to the point of death on a cross for sinners like you and me. We are all so lost, so lost, and so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than God himself could save us. That means for you or for me, for us, we are not the kind of people that could pull ourselves together and be the kind of people that God would say, now that's the kind of person I want to be with. When we see Christmas for what it truly is, we see how far God came to dwell with us, to be with us. Christ- Christmas humbles us. It fills us with gratitude. It fills us with joy and humility. What will you do with this newfound humility? What will you do with this newfound like, perspective on Christmas? We're told to receive him and to draw near to him as he draws near to us. We are told to grasp onto him as tightly as he grasps onto us. To receive Jesus is a, is a full movement of all of our affections, our intentions, our actions, our desires, our hopes, our loves, our dreams, our ambitions, all that we have in all of our being. We are to find it, find its hope with all sincerity in Christ to completely bring it all to Jesus. It is to believe that even when God looked in our hearts and saw the worst that is in us, he still sent his son into the world to be born and to die. To live the life that we should have lived, but failed to live and to die the death we deserve to die. The God of the universe loves you so much that he would do that. We are completely loved. We are completely accepted in Christ. So receive him this Christmas Receive him this Christmas, trust in him, worship him this Christmas, follow him and find your rest in him. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. Visit us at holycrosstucson.com to find more resources and connect with us.